just for one area. You know, I am feeling a little visually challenged increasingly. And uh, in that dark, that was going to get a real uh, issue. But uh, thank you. Isn't it fantastic to be together on Good Friday evening? And uh, we just give uh, the Lord thanks and praise for his goodness to us and for all that he means to us in Jesus' name. And uh, I I think it's good for us to do things like this. And uh, tonight we come to our penultimate message on this theme of spiritual intentionality, which we've done over the spring. And intentionally tonight we've put a service on. Intentionally we've invited people to come. Intentionally you've done that at the end of a very, very warm day. And uh, uh, by, by the very nature of us gathering, friends, we make a statement, not only to God, but also to the principalities and powers that look on, to those that would actually mock this day, to those that would be utterly dismissive of it, to those that would be apathetic of it, that actually we recognize as Leon Cross, a Bible commentator says once, that Christianity is a religion all about a cross. And it starts here, and to some degree, friends, it continues here and it finishes here. And uh, as we've even seen this week, uh, the cross sometimes can cause controversy. Uh, The Yorkshire electrician with a little palm cross in his van this week was threatened with dismissal. And uh, it seems though common sense has prevailed. And um, uh, he's uh, going back to work on Tuesday, so we thank God for that. But we shouldn't be surprised about that. And uh, it's just wonderful for us tonight to gather around the cross. And uh, we uh, have to do this in order that we can come to Sunday. And it's appropriate that we do. Matthew 26, if you've got a Bible, just for a verse. And uh, just to signpost the next few minutes, uh, as I say, a warm evening at the end of a warm day. And uh, I I will only be a few minutes tonight just in terms of bringing a a meditation towards the end of this day together. And then the band are going to bring us a final song as we just worship the Lord. So Matthew 26, and uh, some of you will know the words very familiar. Um, It speaks of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, just on the edge of the city of Jerusalem. And in verse... Uh, 39, it says, uh, My father, if it be possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Uh, a few weeks ago, we, we, we set a couple of foundational verses into this series, which were Isaiah 50, verse 7, where the prophet speaks about setting his face as a flint. And then in Luke chapter 9, and verse 51, Jesus resolutely setting out for Jerusalem. He needed to do that because he knew what lay in store for him. Nothing was going to deter him. Nothing was going to stop him doing the will of the Father, even as we will see tonight, though that was a costly war. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Christian began this uh, great series by reminding us that uh, we could be incredibly rich to others because we are. We've talked about being available. We've talked about being generous. Uh, We've talked about being fruitful. And uh, tonight, I want just for a few, we talked about being holy. I want for us, for a few moments tonight, friends, to draw our hearts to the Lord afresh by thinking intentionally about being surrendered. And in our worship songs tonight, and as Christians so wonderfully led us uh, at uh, the breaking of bread, we've already been reminded that this was the very example of Jesus himself. And these words encapsulate it. There's perhaps no more poignant a service to emphasize spiritual surrender than this one. And Jesus, having resolutely set out to Jerusalem, now faces his most challenging hour. And we find ourselves in a garden. And uh, that's not without irony, because if we go back to Genesis, we find that man fell in a garden. 
Um, he destroyed his fellowship with the Lord. He became ashamed of his nakedness. He was actually put out of the garden. Such was uh, the, 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 the fall from God's original intention. And here we are in a garden again where the second Adam, the living Jesus, comes to the earth on the rescue plan to restore us, to give us a hope of getting back to God. Because our sins and our iniquities have separated us from the living holy God. And here's, here's Jesus in the garden, committing himself afresh to the Lord just hours before his death upon the cross. And Jesus understood the cost. If it's possible, Lord, let this cup be taken from me. And he commits to paying the price, not my will, but yours be done. What is surrender? David Wilkerson, the founder of Teen Challenge, said this. Surrender. What does this word tell you? In literal terms, surrender means to give up something to another person. It also means to relinquish something granted to you. This could include your possessions, power, goals, even your life. Christians today hear much about the surrendered life, but what does it mean exactly? The surrendered life is the act of giving back to Jesus the life he granted you. It's relinquishing control, rights, power, direction, all the things you do and say. It's totally resigning your life over to his hands to do with it as he pleases intentionally being surrendered to the Lord. Three simple thoughts, friends, as we think about intentionally tonight, freshly, even though we may have been Christians many, many years, giving everything over to Jesus. Firstly, surrender a personal challenge. Oh Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You see, sometimes we can apply this message to everybody else, But the reality is the Spirit of God in these moments that we've got tonight wants to apply it to you. And of course, he wants to apply it to me. It's a personal challenge. There were many times in the Gospels where Jesus went up to people and personally said to them, follow me. And he's still saying it. You know, there are times, friends, when people have been in great crowds that get great Gospel missions. There's been hundreds of people responded on the night, but their testimony is this. It was like God was just speaking to me. A personal challenge. And friends, the scope of that challenge is that God wants to do different things in different people. Thank God that he's made us with different personalities, different talents, different gifts. He's made us in different shapes. He's given us different uh, leanings in our lives. And we thank God for all this. We rejoice in the diversity of what churches, not only local, but also right across the world. We thank God that the church is not bound by any culture, by any creed, by any color of skin. But it's rich in its variety. And God says that within all of that, climes and cultures, he looks on every one of us to find a place to bring a surrendered heart. What about the substance of the challenge? You know, I've had people say to me sometimes, particularly blokes, well, Christianity is not really for men, is it? You know, know, it's it's a crutch to lean on. You've got to be a bit wimpish to be a Christian. Really? Friends, Christianity is about guts. Christianity is about challenge. Christianity is about principle. Christianity is about integrity. Christianity is sometimes being the one in the crowds. Not because you're weird, but for the sake of Jesus. Really? No, friends, there's a great substance to this challenge to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
And when it works out in love and service and obedience, you know, there's nothing that we'd rather do. Surrender, secondly, a pathway to walking. Jesus spoke of people following him. He said in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone's going to come after me or follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. When we're talking about taking up our cross, it means identifying with him. Some of you will have read about the great American evangelist Arthur Blissett, who literally took up his cross. Anybody trying to copycat that, you know, it was, it was the word of the Lord to him. And he literally carried a cross around the world. He met with some of the great world leaders of the day, testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the reality is, the identity with what the cross stands for is the challenge to every one of us. And the cross stands for submission. It means a yielding to what Jesus wants for our life. Just down the road in the city of Nottingham, one of the great founders of one of the modern-day denominations was born. His name was William Booth. And uh, some years into his adulthood, Booth found himself in the east end of London leading a Christian mission. And he was surrounded by depravity, by alcohol abuse, by many of the social ills that actually in a different era we find ourselves confronted with today. And he sought to reach out to people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Salvation Army as we know it today was born. And we give praise to God that all around the world that particular expression of the Christian body continues to minister to broken people in amazing ways. And uh, it's all come out of an amazing vision of someone that was submitted to the pathway of Jesus. William Booth said these words. He says, there was a time when God had all that there was of William Booth. He learnt the principle of submission. You know, there have been other great Christian leaders over the years, friends, John Wesley being one, saying, if God would just give me ten people that would be totally committed to doing the will of God, we could shake a nation. And I tell you, friends, around this community of believers that we find ourselves tonight, if we will increasingly come to a place of submitting to God and giving him all that we have of ourselves, it will be amazing what God can do with us. And then, of course, there's the thought of sacrifice. The pathway to walking, not adding to what Jesus has done for us, for us on the cross, but living from that. Some years ago, an elderly gentleman in the church that Sharon and me were leading, who had come to faith in his retirement years, and it was fascinating to see not only him come to faith, but grow in an amazing way. He became a wonderful, devoted follower of Jesus Christ, an amazing servant heart, serving Jesus in his 70s. His only regret was that he was 65 before he became a Christian. And one day Richard came to me and said, I've been reading the Gospels, Phil, and I'm worried. Because I've read the Gospel of Luke. And the Gospel of Luke, this was a man that had had uh, six daughters and was a, an absolute besotted family man. He says, it says in Luke that if I don't hate my family, my, my wife, my sons, my daughters, then I can't be a follower of Jesus. He says, what does that mean? And I was able to explain to him that, as we find on a number of occasions in the English language, bringing it over from the original New, Lang New Testament language of Greek, it didn't mean the word hate in the way that we would express it. It was to do with priority. It was to do with priority. Here's the challenge tonight, friends. Even in terms of our fa fa family, Jesus is saying, do I come first? Do I, do I come first? Because that's a devoted follower of Jesus. When everything comes second, 
to being a follower of him. If we will put God first, friends, and sometimes that will bring its sacrifices from us, again, God will bless. In the late 19th century, there was a brilliant cricketer called C.T. Studd. Played cricket for England, came from an aristocratic family, and he had all the wealth that he would need to live a very uh, luxurious life. And he met Jesus Christ and became a follower of the Lord. He gave up his sporting career, and not only his sporting career, but he also gave up his, his, his wealth, which even in modern day terms was millions of pounds. And uh, C.T. Studd went to be a missionary in China and India, and he established a Bible training institute that still operates today that's affectionately known as WEC, World Evangelization Crusade. And today, even today, north of London, in where north of London, there are still people today going to work, training for the mission field, giving up sometimes lucrative careers to be devoted follower of Jesus, to take his truth, his good news, into other nations of the earth. And the motto of work that still stands tall in that particular college today came from the words of C.T. Study. says, if Jesus Christ be God and gave his life for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Surrender. A personal challenge. Surrender. A pathway to walk in. Thirdly, friends, surrender. A potential to fulfill. Perhaps instead of the word potential, we'll use a word that we like in arena. Destiny. She's there. But it's not only for that destiny, it's for all of us. And Jesus' friends in his life blazed a trail, exemplifying that when we really surrender to him, it is amazing what can happen. Literally tonight, we could stay here for many a long hour, speaking of men and women, both of history and modern day, that have learned the power of the surrendered life and so have fulfilled their destiny, their potential in God. But let me give you three Davids. David Brainhard, a shy young man from Connecticut, who due to ill health never saw his 30th birthday, but so lived a passionate mission call to the American Indians that it's recorded in Christian history, friends, that he inspired thousands of young people to the mission field. He never got to 30 in the purposes of God. Surrender, a potential to fulfill David Livingston. Born in the little Scottish town of Blantyre, he went to Africa, and many of you have read of his exploits. Did an amazing work for God. So honoured that when he died, they brought his body back to this nation and buried it in Westminster Abbey so that thousands upon thousands of people could still pay homage to someone that fulfilled their potential by being surrendered to Jesus. The third David I've already mentioned, David Wilkerson. In the late 50s, he was a country preacher in Pennsylvania and he saw on the news a trial taking place in New York that was caused by the murder of a nondescript person seemingly called Michael Farmer. He went down to New York, he interrupted the court trial, he was uh, removed from the court, but something had stirred in his heart to help these angry young guys that lived in the ghettos of New York. And so out of that call to the Big Apple was born the Worldwide Ministry of Teen Challenge. And even this year, we've seen the powerful impact of that on people as they gave testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ is still changing people's lives. 
Wilkerson today still pastors a church in Times Square, New York, declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. Surrender, a potential to fulfill. School teachers around the room tonight, and maybe people that have been on the end of acerbic school reports, will have sometimes had put on their uh, report to take home to mum and dad, unfulfilled potential. I never did think I had much potential at technical drawing, so I wasn't too disappointed. Anyway, unfulfilled potential. There was an old song that we used to sing many years ago in church. It was more like a lament, and it said this in the chorus, I wish I had given him more. Friends, I don't want to face Jesus one day, actually saying, Jesus, I wish I'd given you more. I want to say tonight, friends, on this beautiful April evening again, and I'm sure many of you want to join me, that actually I want to live in a place where I give him everything every day, where he's at the very center of my life and my being, I don't want on my heavenly report unfulfilled potential. There was such destiny over that young person. There was such purpose over that young man. There was such that I could have done with that family, but they couldn't bring themselves to a place of being intentional about the surrendered life. And tonight we stand at the foot of the cross again. And as I close, friends, I encourage us to bring our hearts afresh and to recognize that it's always a personal challenge. That there is a path to walk in, and it's not always easy. But there's an amazing potential to fulfill. You've seen the old western, and you've watched the bill, and Starsky and Hutch, and Sweeney, and all those things. And you've sometimes said, okay, you've got to come out with your hands up. No weapons. You know, sometimes, friends, we carry weapons in our, in our spiritual armory. That we're ready to fire back to God. Yeah, God, but what, what about that? And what about my retirement? And what about this? And what about the kids? And what about... No weapons tonight, friends. When Alison and Ryan got married nearly three years ago, one of their very unchurched young men that came to the wedding said, Ryan, fantastic service, never been anything like it. What were those people doing when they lifted their hands to the sky? Well, the psalmist says, come bless God. Lifting your praising hands to the place. And bless God. You see, friends, if you're in church tonight saying, what's those people doing lifting their hands to the sky? We're surrendering. We're surrendering. We're saying, Jesus, it's not about us. It's all about you. Every time we lift our hands, we're surrendering. We're not firing weapons back to God. We're not living this life on our terms. We're saying it's all about you. David Wilkerson again says, Jesus was telling us, make no mistake, the act of self-surrender is totally within my power to do, being intentional. I'm choosing to lay down my life, and I'm not going to do it because some man told me to do it. Nobody's taking my life from me. My father gave me the right and the privilege to lay down my life. He also gave me the choice to pass up this cup and avoid the cross. But I choose to do it out of love and full surrender to him. 300 years ago, a young man was asked to write a hymn for a breaking of bread service just like this. The hymn was later described by Charles Wesley who wrote hundreds of hymns like this. Wesley said, I would have given up the privilege of writing all the other hymns. Could have, if I could have written this one. 
His name was Isaac Watts. And tonight, friends, I draw to a conclusion this breaking of bread service on this Good Friday of this Easter of 2011 by quoting the final verse. Because I can't do better than were the whole realm of nature mine. That were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. On Sunday morning, we're going to rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus and a relevant word that will encourage us to respond to that. But this evening, this Good Friday night, let's intentionally, deliberately, quietly and purposefully say again to Jesus, we're surrendered.